the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It uh, It's a delight to welcome back one of my favorite people in conservative dumb, and that is John Hinderocker from the Powerline blog. John, Merry Christmas, if it's okay, if it's not too soon to say that. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> well, it might be too soon because we don't have our tree up yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if I got you in trouble here, then with that. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about my favorite people in, in, in the universe we live in, and you really are one of them. And it dawned on me, I've known you for 16 years now, and uh, it's been a long time. It's, it feels like not that long, but it's been a, it's been a great ride with you, and you've just been time a great... flying by, man. That goes back to when you were producing yeah. for Bill yeah. And, yeah. you know, I still appear on Bill's podcast periodically. That's a, that's a I, 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 yeah, he told me that's he had you on recently, and that he actually called me and said you made a really good point. Uh, I know it's not what I had you on for, but we can do everything. It's all our territory, as Lincoln said, right? You had a really good point about the problem with a lot of the cases. And I don't know if it's still true or if he quoted you accurately, but I repeated it on air, which is, you know, you're a very experienced litigator. You've been doing it for uh, decades. And he said you said that, you know, give me a case, give me a team, give me a budget, give me a year and a half and I can do something. It's hard to do it in two weeks. Yeah, that's exactly right, Seth. And, yeah, and, and what you said is is a good recitation, except that there was one more element, okay. and that is subpoena power. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if I could if I could bring back one of my litigation teams, you know, from my years as a lawyer, and and with a relatively modest budget, ten million, fifteen million, something like that, and a year and a half, uh, which is typically what you might have to do discovery in a significant civil case, and subpoena power, yeah. uh, and assign me a state. I'd get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I'd tell you what happened. I'd tell you whether voter fraud was a big problem, whether it swung the election. But that's what you need, yeah. and and there's no way to do it in two weeks. Right, or three even. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right up, by the way, if, if you're not in a rush, I'd, I'd love to just follow up on this for a second, because you're right up of the Texas case yesterday or the day before I thought was really smart and good, too. And let me attach to it something Mark Bauerlein told me yesterday. Do you know Mark? He's a professor of literature at Emory. He said one of the good things about these other state attorney generals filing amicus briefs on the side of Texas is it shows the Supreme Court that there's a broad group of states or at least Americans that really do feel strongly about this. It's not just one state. It's not just a few kooks here and there. But there is a wide representation of population that really does want to look under the hood here a little bit. I thought that was a valid point, too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you really have to take seriously a a lawsuit uh, in the Supreme Court in which at last count that I know of, I think 18 yeah, states, yeah. you know, were participating. That's in. right. That's right. Arizona was the most recent, I think, the 18th to join. Um, let me say also something about one other thing you guys are doing great at Powerline with, other than the reason I called you. 
And that's your work on COVID. And I saw a link to something at the American Experiment, which is a great story about research showing American media peddling fear. You guys have been early on that, too. It was a lonely place to be early on. It was you guys. It was me and Bill. It was Heather MacDonald, <laughs> one or two others. We got yeah. scored for it. They're coming yeah. around a little bit, more and more at least. But you guys have been great on that as well. Well, it seemed clear to me early on, Seth, that this is not the bubonic plague right. that we're dealing with right. here. Right. You know? Right. And this this is a heck of a lot closer to your typical seasonal flu virus than it is to the Black Death. And um, and I think the 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 unwillingness, the refusal on the part of authorities, governors and so on, and a lot of people, to be fair, a lot of voters the refusal to acknowledge and understand the damage that was being done by these shutdowns, I still find just shocking. Yeah, shocking. Now, uh, we can spend all day on all of that stuff, but I wanted to do something different with you. You have been really good um, in posting some essays by David Horowitz recently, and then today you posted the new introduction to his um, uh, uh, new volume, or I should say, uh, updated volume of his autobiography, political autobiography, Radical Son. I was trying to explain a little bit to the audience that may not be familiar with it, how important a book it was, how well received it was when it came out somewhat 25, 23 or five or four years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was a, it was a huge book at the time. David is a very, there's, there's a fair number of people that have moved from left to right. David talks about it and writes about it from a yet uniquely different perspective, and I w wondered if you might say something about that. Yeah, well, first of all, Seth, um, a, new, a second edition of Radical Sun is being produced right now yeah. by Post Hills Press. Good. Radical Sun is one of the really famous uh, autobiographies and political memoirs of our time, and if any of our listeners have not read that book, I, I would simply say, please do read yep. it, because it describes... Uh, David's early life and how he grew up in a communist family. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that, that was the orientation of his parents. Mm -hmm. He, he fell for the whole leftist, you know, heaven on earth mm -hmm. kind of, um, shtick. And he and his friend, uh, Peter Collier were the editors of Ramparts magazine, which in the 1960s was the, uh, the magazine of the new left, you right. know, the, the, the hard American left. It was to the new left what commentary was for us in the 70s or 80s, probably, or 90s. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like anyway. Yeah, maybe more so. Yeah, maybe more so, right, <laughs> right, they, they right. Not have a, they did not have a lot of magazines. Right. So, so, so David, when he was living in the Bay Area, got involved with the Black Panthers. And, uh, of course, he, he fell for the myth that they were this kind of idealistic, you know, the revolutionary vanguard, when in truth they were just a, uh, a bunch of street criminals, mm -hmm. killed more than a dozen people. Um, and, black, and mostly point, black, by the way. All black. Yeah. Right, they had all but one black. Right. And, and, um, and at one point, the Black Panthers were looking for a new bookkeeper, mm -hmm. and he recommended a friend of his named Betty Van Patter for that position. Mm -hmm. and, and they hired Betty as their bookkeeper. And uh, it, what, she wasn't there very long. I think it was a matter of months. And she obviously realized in, in working with the books that they were not this kind of idealistic political movement, but in fact they were a criminal gang. And I'm sure she must have said something to them because her body, I believe, was found floating in San Francisco Bay. Right. It was obvious to David that she had been murdered by the Black Panthers, and it was obvious to the police 
but they could never they could never get a conviction. And so that was really the the pivotal moment when when David realized through this personal experience that he had been kind of chasing this this rainbow, this unicorn of mm-hmm. of leftist nirvana, and and the truth was really completely different. Yeah. And and so he tells that story in Radical Son. That's kind of the, the pivotal moment in, in in that book, and how he ultimately made the transition and became a, a conservative. But in this preface that I put up on Powerline, it, it, with David's permission, you know, he he does he talks about that story, but he 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 what the important thing about it is that he weaves it together with what's happening right now. And we are seeing in the Black Lives Matter movement and, mm-hmm. and the way our culture has moved the left, we are seeing some some kind of weird echoes yep. of what David lived through. Yep. And he talks about the fact that when, when, the, when the Soviet Union collapsed, he wrote in the original preface to Radical Son, that um, you know the future belongs to to conservatives mm-hmm. and the ideological left, you know, has collapsed and okay. is going to die. Mm-hmm. And he says in this preface to the second edition, I was wrong. Right. He says the left did not die and it did not reform itself. Right. Uh, it it just moved on with the same malicious evil program that it has had all along. And there's a character that he talks about in this in this preface to the second edition that I put up on Powerline that that weaves a lot of these things together because the guy that um, that the police believed actually murdered uh, Benny Van Patter, although they could never they could never prosecute him, was a man named Floris Forbes. Yes, right. And Floris Forbes was was uh, the head, I think, of what what the Panthers referred to as the squad. Mm-hmm. And that was their group of enforcers. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, there was an eighteen year old prostitute who called Huey Newton baby, mm-hmm. and Huey Newton was enraged by this, mm-hmm. and she pulled out a pistol and shot her, killed mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And there was another young black prostitute who who was there and mm-hmm. witnessed this. Mm-hmm. And so, and so Huey Newton told uh, this guy uh, Forbes, Floris Forbes, to murder this second prostitute so that she couldn't be a witness. So, so that then spun out in such a way that that uh, this Forbes guy and um, and his and his cohort, uh, you know, from the Panthers, the two of them were going to kill this black prostitute. They broke down the door to the wrong wrong house or apartment, and there was a shootout. Flores accidentally shot his partner, mm-hmm. the the the, uh, the, uh, the fellow Panther, and right. then this innocent person got wounded. Yep. Well, then one of these idealistic people. Hold, hold that black, thought. This that the conclusion of this story is is is, is a great tease to the it, next it, it's segment. Stunning. Yeah, really stunning. Hold stunning. hold this thought, and then I want to get into some of this philosophy behind it. Everyone, we'll be right back with John Hinderocker. You don't want to miss this uh, conclusion to this story. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have John Hinderocker with us. He's talking about the preface to the new edition of David Horowitz's book, Radical Son, which he um, printed at Powerline with David's permission. And this incredible story that I'm sure 99 point more percent didn't know. The same percent of people who will recover from COVID if they get it don't know this story. 
And, uh, John, we're talking about Floris Forbes. Uh, you were telling us about Floris Forbes, if you want to pick up where we left off right before the break. Forbes was the head of the, he was the head enforcer for the Black Panthers, a criminal street gang in California. Uh, Huey Newton, the head of the Panthers, uh, just gratuitously murdered a young prostitute. There was a witness to that murder, another 18-year-old girl, also a prostitute, so they decided she'd better be killed. So this guy, Flores, and, and, and another member of the squad, as they called it, uh, went out to assassinate this, this second young prostitute, but they broke into the wrong house, and they got into a gunfight. An innocent person was wounded, and Flores accidentally shot and killed his, his partner, mm-hmm. his Black Panther colleague. Mm-hmm. Well, then a, a, a driver, a young, a young black guy who was you know, an idealistic you know, uh, communist or whatever supporter of the Black Panthers was enlisted as a getaway driver to to get this guy Floris Forbes to safety. So he he drove him somewhere I forget where, but they they're off someplace, and you know he gets him out of there and rescues him. But then the Panthers decide, well, this guy could be a witness, right? Right? right. You keep committing these right. crimes, right. and there are witnesses, and then you have to kill the witnesses. Yeah. So now this guy, Flores Forbes, and another Black Panther say, well, now we've got to kill the driver. Mm-hmm. So they shoot the driver twice in the back, and they bury him. Mm-hmm. But they didn't bury him very deep, and he didn't die. And he, and he was moaning, and some passersby heard the noise and dug him up. So this driver survived, but he was permanently paralyzed from the neck down. Right. Well, at some later point, this guy Forbes figured out that he really was not in that much trouble, and he might as well just turn himself in. Mm-hmm. And he ultimately served only five years in prison, yeah. you know, for this crime spree, and he got out. Mm-hmm. And after he got out, he wrote a couple of books. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book uh, about his life as an enforcer for the Black Panthers, in which he tells some of these stories. He wrote another book, uh, you know, post-discharge uh, from prison, where he was writing about the prison system as being the oppressor of black people, sure. you know, and how yeah. terrible it was that yeah. he had to serve this time in prison for the crimes that he'd committed. And and the amazing thing is that he then went on, he went to college, yep. you know, because these guys were in demand. Mm-hmm. You know, the left loved the black Panthers. They oh, yeah. Idolized the oh, black yeah. They gave, they gave immediate tenure to Angela oh, Davis back they in gave the day. Yeah. Money. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, now he goes to college. Yeah. And you know what he's doing now? This I was just going to say, if you want to reach Floris Forbes, this is a note to radio producers. If you want to interview him, there is a place to contact him. Right, John? Yeah, there certainly is. It Tell is him. Columbia University. Yep. This this uh, criminal, Floris Forbes, this murderer, is today the Associate Vice President of Strategic Planning and Program Implementation for Columbia University. There you go. There you go. And so that ties all these stories together. The guy who probably murdered B- Betty Van Patter, mm-hmm who was the head enforcer for a criminal street gang called the Black Panthers, who committed multiple murders, who served only, unfortunately, five years in prison. Now, the associate vice president of strategic planning and program implementation for Columbia University. And by the way, David Horowitz happens to be an alumnus right. of Columbia. Yeah. He is persona non grata right. there. He would not be able to set foot on that That's right. campus. That's right. Without the, the you know the the 
Yeah, it would be an unbelievable... Uh, Black Panther turmoil. murderers, yes. David Horowitz, no. I know something of this. We Back in the days after 9-11, Bill and I put together a team of people. We went to colleges and universities to talk about the war. We had Jim Woolsey with us. We had Charles Krauthammer. We had uh, uh, a few other um, luminaries, specialists, smart people. And we did want it. We were invited by the Republican Club at Columbia University. I swear to you, John, if there were... If there were 50 cops there to protect us, it, it, it wasn't enough. It was it was a madhouse at Columbia. It, it, it really was. But Black Panther murdering thugs are fine. It's an incredible thing about our university system. Well, our universities, but they're not alone. It's not only no. the universities. No. I mean, our no, culture yep. has gone so far downhill, yep. Yep. It, is, it is really scary. Well, that, that kind of was the question that I wanted to throw to you here, John, where Horowitz says, David Horowitz says he was wrong thinking, you know, we won and they lost. There's that famous story of Whitaker Chambers when he left communism saying, I fear I, I'm joining the losing side. Where do you where do you come to? Maybe Whitaker Chambers was right. I, I mean, you and I can't think this way because we have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But where do, where do you where do you put the scoreboard right now? Well, I mean, the forces of evil are doing pretty well, yeah, Seth. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting how you know how communism, socialism, leftism, call it whatever you want has evolved and morphed, you know, and we don't hear a lot about class struggle anymore no. because the upper class is mainly on the other side, right. you know, right. Silicon Valley. I think race, I think race <laughs> has replaced the class. Yeah, so, you know, race, you know, gender, yeah. sexual orientation, yeah. you know, but it's all, but it's all Marxism. Yep. It's this new version of Marxism. It's all about oppression. But what it's, what it's really about is totalitarianism. Yeah. These people want power, period. They want power over you, and me and our listeners, they don't like how we live, and they want to force us to live their way and serve them. And, you know, that totalitarian impulse I might be stronger today in this country than it's ever been. Don't you think some of it exists with the COVID stuff, too? I do. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. There yeah. is no question. Yeah. Some of this stuff is so irrational. Right. Some of these governors and mayors, they just love to boss us around yeah. to, to no good purpose. Authoritarian personality disorder, I think we would call it. But this book is important. It's really important. And I'm really you did a great service, and it was nice of David to let you do it in uh, publishing his new preface, um, his new introduction, John. Um, these kinds of books are really important, and it's important for people to know. You know, they don't understand what— you know, how many Floris Forbes are out there and what they're doing. And these universities are cranking out four million kids a year. It matters and it means something. And that's what we're up against. And we have to remind ourselves of that every single day when we think about what we're up against. This is what we're up against. It's a it's a good reminder of it all, John. Yeah. The other thing, Seth, is the past still matters. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's really amazing how these stories come together right up to yep. the present day. You bet. The past is still with us. You bet. And there's a direct line from the Black Panthers and Leonard Bernstein supporting them to the Hollywood Glitterati supporting BLM today. John Hinderocker, bless you. Thank you for everything. Go go get you your tree now. <laughs> hey, thanks And lot, go Seth. put it up. You too. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you too, John. We'll maybe talk to you before then, but take care, brother. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. Be right back.
I was uh, welcome back. I was listening to that commercial uh, for Balance of Nature, and I was thinking about Balance of Nature because I take it every single day, and I look forward to it every time when I take my daily dose because um, I know I'm doing something good for myself. I know I'm boosting my energy. I know I'm inoculating myself with tens of thousands of uh, nutrients. It is the most effective whole food supplement on the market. I, I just can't say enough about it. Powered by powerful stuff. Blueberries, oranges, pineapples, spinach, zucchini, kale, cayenne pepper, garlic. You'll start feeling great once you take it and you know you'll be immunizing yourself. Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. It's a great deal. Give them a call at 800 2468 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Steve's in Tempe. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. Uh, I liked listening to, uh, is it John Hinderocker? Is yeah. That, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting comments. I was back in Washington, D.C. when the Black Panthers were, I guess, in their heyday, you know, back in the in the late 60s, early 70s, and, you know, Bobby Seale, the big controversy then was he was in prison, and, and they were talking, you know, that it was, um, you know, the, they were talking about uh, whether or not they should release him, and, you know, it was a big controversial thing, and, and the black-white racial issues were about as hot as they've ever been, and, and we were right in the thick of it there in, in that city. And one of the things that I... I never forgot was, you know, cause I, I saw it firsthand. I mean, there, and there was racism back, back then. And, you know, I was just, a you know, you know, just a, just a kid, a white kid from a upper middle class family living there. But, you know, I saw it in, in our, in our school. And I remember in the 72 Olympic or let's see, not the 72 Olympics, the one uh, Olympics down in Mexico city when 68. Uh, yeah, you bet. Mm-hmm. With a black power when, fist, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I actually. I mean, I I never thought I'd. I mean, looking back at that, I was actually proud of those two guys. What they did, I know, it was a very controversial thing that they did, but um, seeing it the way I saw it, I was actually proud of of what I saw. And um, and the thing that just makes me furious right now is you know the 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 left you know pulling the race card on us now when when race relations were um were not a factor up until uh, Barack Obama became president and then he stoked the fire on this and it's it just makes me furious that that we're at the place where we're at right now as it relates to that and because that that is not i mean i saw where we were at back then and i i see where we're at now and it isn't anywhere close to where where it was then. And you know, I'll, I'll just give you an example. I was a I was a huge Washington Redskins fan back back then. And to today to date, I know I know you're not big into sports, but I've I've, I've been forced to be. <laughs> well, um, to date, my absolute favorite football player uh, ever. You know, since I've been following, you know, since I've been following football in the NFL, was Doug Williams when he came in and and took over for Jay Schrader for the Redskins and won the Super Bowl against Denver and San Diego. Mm-hmm. 
I just thought that was the greatest thing, and I, I knew I knew what had happened to him in, in Tampa Bay. He had lost his daughter. Um, his daughter uh, died of uh, an illness, and um, and he was getting all kinds of bad press as a quarterback there in Tampa Bay. And the Redskins picked him up, and then he and then for him to do what he did under under all those circumstances, it was just uh, like I said, I, I was just overjoyed for for what he was able to accomplish doing that. But you know, it um, yeah, um, it's the the racial thing right now that's being. Uh, being fired up is is a really dangerous thing and um i think that you know the you know return of the black panthers you know if that's if that's actually happening i don't know if it, if it it's is just you know, a different name it's just a different yeah. name you know yeah it's it's but, the uh, same philosophy in some respects and in yeah. some respects, it's even more noxious because it's actually a coherent Marxist philosophy where the Black Panthers were more just about power and indeed murder. Uh, the BLM movement isn't so much about murder, although a lot of people have been killed in their riots. It is more about deep-seated Marxism, as their founders tell you. You want to hold the line? I have to take a quick break. We can, oh, we sure. can return on this when we come back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're interested in selling your house or buying a new one, I want you to call my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. He's got a great proprietary and state-of-the-art marketing technology for selling, and he has a great private database of homes if you're interested in buying. He guarantees to sell your home at market value, or he will pay you the difference. He can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer. He's great. I have a lot of friends who have used him, and they think of him as highly as I do. Give James Wexler a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. And uh, you will tell him, tell him I sent you. You will be treated so well, and you will be glad you did. Steve and Tempe was calling in on a few different issues. And, Steve, thanks for waiting. You were <clears throat> talking oh, about yeah. the Black Panthers. And yeah. uh, in some respects... You know, where they failed and closed shop somewhere in the 70s, I guess it was. It was yeah. interesting. You know, a lot of it goes back to my interview with John Hinderocker and what David Horowitz thought, you know, around 89, around 90, around 91. We won. Communism was defeated. Uh, and it turns out a lot of us were wrong. Um we celebrated too soon, didn't realize how deep seated that philosophy was, Marxism. And where it went next, we always knew it was still in China. China got worse. We knew it was in Cuba. Cuba has not gotten better. What we didn't know was how entrenched it was winding its way into and home, honeycombing its way into American academia, whether it was in the university system or now the elementary and secondary school system. And that's exactly where it is. And since 1990, 91, 92, you know, you crank out eight million students a year. You're gonna that 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 believe in that rot, and you're gonna get what you see on the streets of Minneapolis, and you're gonna get what you see in the cabinet of Joe Biden, and the the thousands of federal appointees you'll get there, and you're gonna get what you get on the benches of our courts, 
There's it's yeah. it's hard to stop. Whitaker yeah, Chambers it, in his book Witness, um, actually in his testimony before his book Witness, in his testimony to the House on American Activities Committee, he said, "I left communism, and I think I left the losing. Uh, excuse me, I think I left. I think I'm joining the losing side." I hope he wasn't right. I hope he wasn't. Yeah, yeah Seth, and that reminds me that there's a there's a famous quote, and I and I can't recall who it was that said it, but he he said that if you are not interested in war, war will become interested in you. And what the Republican Party better understand is that we are in a war right now, in in a in in one in one capacity or another and it's if if they don't start understanding what what president trump showed them and and has uh was instrumental in demonstrating in the, in the last 4 years of his presidency um it, you know it's it it just makes me furious that how how they how we have so many people and, and Basically, Seth, um, I left the Republican Party a number of years ago. I'm a registered independent. I, I just could not stand the, you know, the John McCain uh, style of politics in the party. You know, to go along to get along and and uh, criticize your own party. Um, you know, I just I, I just got so tired of, of that. And so I, I haven't been a registered Republican for, gosh, the last ten years or so. And, you know, it's, I, I, it's getting worse now. And we're at a point right now where, um, it's, it's really starting to make a difference. And if we don't get these two Senate seats in Georgia, uh, they're going to see firsthand just how much of a difference it's going to, it's going to be. And you know that, and I know that, and they apparently don't know that or they don't care. But I think a lot of the reasons they don't care is that they, um, it doesn't. It doesn't affect them. I mean, you look at the Obamacare when Obamacare was put into place, and we had an opportunity to get rid of it. Um, they voted against. They voted against doing that because it didn't affect them personally. It didn't affect their families. I um I I totally understand the frustration, and I totally understand the concern that I myself raised, uh, that Whitaker Chambers raised. And at the same time, it's important that we remind ourselves of this very, very powerful movement that we do have now with some very, very gifted leaders and spokespeople. And the face, the problem we face, as I've said before, is that people like Goldwater, people like Reagan, people like Trump were outliers in the party. They really were. They always fought against the establishment or had to. And right now, I think we have so many more people on this side, on our side, that if we seize it and nurture it and support them uh, with votes, with money, with uh, recognition, uh, if we elevate their voices or republish them, we have the opportunity to reset the Republican Party or create a new set point, as I phrase it, to create a new establishment. 
I mean, I have a list of names, but I'll just rattle Mike Pompeo, Rick Grinnell, Dan Crenshaw, Ron DeSantis, Christy Noam, Tom Cotton, Candace Owens, Andy Biggs, Jim Jordan, Larry Elder, Josh Hawley, Jesse Waters, Dennis Prager, Ben Shapiro, John Kennedy. I mean, that's just partially a list. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. And I want us to be encouraged. We're not going to win as defeatists, so we have to worry and be concerned and act like Avis as we work to become Hertz. We have the wherewithal. We have the raw material, I think, Steve. And that's where I want us to focus. And um, one of the things I wanted to do today, I didn't get a chance to, maybe we'll do it tomorrow, was in that service, republish, rebroadcast something Dan Crenshaw said today that won't get played on CNN and won't be rebroadcast on MSNBC and won't get a story in the New York Times. But we got to get it out there. We may do it tomorrow. But anyway, we'll be right back. I'll uh, just whet your appetite on this David Horowitz book. From the preface, he writes, While communism had been vanquished outside the lands of the Iron Curtain, and particularly in America, there was no triumphant dancing on communism's grave and no mea culpa by its progressive allies. In America and Western Europe, a renascent left explained away the atrocities and catastrophes it had supported by saying that what took place in Russia wasn't real socialism. Real socialism hadn't been tried and therefore it hadn't really failed. Nothing could capture the invincible arrogance of leftists so clearly as the pathetic sophistry to cover up their crimes. Liberalism had given way to a cultural Marxism which denied the very idea of the individual and revived Marx's class war as a war against racial and gender oppression. This identity politics was itself racist and obliterated the fundamental principles of America's democracy, which is based on individual equality, individual freedom, and individual accountability. Races and genders are not mentioned in the Constitution for good reason, because the founders intended to create a society composed of equals. The left's long march through the institutions had created an infrastructure of support for these anti-American currents which were dedicated to the destruction of the very foundations of America's constitutional order. This is why we can't give up. This is why we must continue to fight. It's strong. We are now just waking up to it. Hopefully, for the final time, we've been awakened before. It's just that we've gone back to sleep either through hibernation or estivation. We can't afford to do it anymore. Until tomorrow, God bless you, and class dismissed.